You are listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today Tom talks with Nate Kellogg of the Learning Accelerator and Gwen Baker of Bellwether Education Partners about the Strategy Lab, a project of the Always Ready for Learning initiative. The Strategy Lab is a networked learning community from the Learning Accelerator in partnership with Bellwether Education Partners, working to accelerate the development of a more resilient and equitable education future. This work culminated in a real-time redesign toolkit, an actionable resource for helping districts apply the key learnings and processes from the Strategy Lab work. Let's listen in as Tom talks with Nate and Gwen about this important collaborative work within a network of schools and districts. And stay tuned until the end to hear from some of the participants themselves. Gwen Baker and Nate Kellogg, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great to have you guys uh, on, and we really appreciate the partnership that you've formed and the uh, toolkit that we're going to talk about uh, today. Nate, would love to have you uh, tell us the origin story on the um, Always Ready for Learning uh, initiative and particularly the Strategy Lab. Yeah, so uh, I'm with the Learning Accelerator, and uh, our work is around uh, trying to connect teachers and leaders to the knowledge, tools, and networks they need to transform K-12 education. And uh, as part of that work, um, in response to the pandemic, we stood up uh, the Always Ready for Learning uh, project. And uh, the project had three components, um, uh, one of which we heard on this podcast, actually, uh, about about a month or two ago, uh, called the Parabola Project, focused around health and safety uh, in schools. Um, We had another uh, project focused on connecting school leaders and district leaders Uh, to professional service providers that could provide coaching um, in the moment based on their customized needs um, uh, with a coaching network. And then the last part, which we're here to talk about today, is the Strategy Lab, which was uh, an effort to go deep with uh, seven districts uh, who we wanted to learn alongside and support as they uh, both came back to school uh, in the fall, uh, quote unquote, back to school, uh, whatever that looked like. Um, and then to also support them in longer term uh, change in their district. Um, and we had Bellwether Education Partners along with us for the ride to really uh, provide important support for the districts. And Gwen, you're uh, COO at Bellwether, a leading uh, education consulting nonprofit, uh, a national organization. Um, Gwen, how did uh, Bellwether get involved and why was this a compelling project for you and Bellwether? Yeah, um, so Bellwether is a national, as you said, national nonprofit, uh, really devoted to trying to change the life outcomes for for learners who are farthest from opportunity. Um, I happen to have a long background working in education reform. And so Beth Rabbit and I have known each other for a long time. We used to work together at New Schools Venture Fund. I also happen to be a board member at TLA. Um, And so we have always been looking for an opportunity to sort of bring the best of Bellwether and the best of TLA together. As we sat on the phone on a Sunday afternoon, Beth and I were thinking about what what Sunday afternoon in April, we were thinking a lot about What is it that we could do to really help during this period of time, during the COVID period of time? What could we and what should we do? We saw a lot of resources going out the door. So if you recall back at that time, there was, you know, everybody had a tool for something or a video for something or a lesson plan for something. And we thought to ourselves, what happens once that rush is over? And how can we think about taking 
um, how can we use this as a, how can we use this crisis as an opportunity to think about helping organizations address the challenges and gaps that were identified? And again, how can we use the best of what TLA brings, the best of what Bellwether brings to do that work? Uh, Nate, you organized this around uh, initially about seven participating districts, is that right? Correct, yeah. So we, we focused on districts that we were hoping to find who were in a position that we called sort of uh, prepared to leapfrog. Essentially, they were districts that were not uh, the leading edge ones who had really been innovative and, and tried lots of new ideas yet, uh, but they had the really strong foundation and an interest in, in taking this moment and really being able to capitalize on it um, and come out stronger because of it. Um, and so we ended up partnering with seven districts around the country from Monterey Peninsula in California to Renton, Washington, up in Washington State and uh, Indianapolis Public Schools and uh, in Austin, Texas ISD, uh, as well as Mastery Charter uh, up in uh, Philadelphia and New Jersey, Phoenix Charter in Massachusetts uh, and Cedar Rapids in Iowa. So an interesting range of districts. Um, I, from what I know about all of those um, networks and districts, an interesting range of preparedness, I think, ranging from not very to highly. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. And, and they were going through interesting changes. Uh, a few of our districts had transitions happening uh, with folks who were brand new to their to the district. Um, so, for example, um, Dr. Warren Morgan at uh, Indianapolis Public Schools had just been hired basically a week before COVID started um, as their chief academic officer. And so he was in a position of trying to learn uh, and also seek to, to move the district further. And Gwen, what uh, kind of services did you uh, try to quickly mobilize and offer to the, these partner districts? Uh, we started out with the idea of just doing an assessment across the portfolio. We wanted to be able to be really flexible about what kind of services TLA and Bellwether would bring, but we thought that first we got to understand what is the, the lay of the land and the ground, what are their needs and supports right away. And so we thought about uh, like the first phase of work and over the summer was really, I think, around stabilization. So understanding what is the problem that you have, how do we think about stabilizing, how do you get you the resources? sources that you need um, to think about reopening for school. And then once we sort of got to, we, we had a, we laugh about this. We were laughing about this, that like, we thought we could get to a rate of stabilization, um, <laughs> which really wasn't the case given how much turmoil and things were going on. But we sort of level set to understand where there were commonalities, where there were differences, how we might align the resources that TLA had already put together, um, and then set off, once we got through that period, then set off a, um, a design process in which we were understanding, right, what are the root of some of these gaps and problems that uh, have been identified? And then how might we reimagine, how might we think about um, redesigning our systems for resilience and equity. And so I'd say that was the last six months of time. Was there any uh, learning uh, uh, between these districts? Uh, were, were they each learning together about how they were making the shift to remote and when and how they might go hybrid or in person? 
Yeah, we used a, a networked improvement community approach, sort of a loose approach to that and had monthly cohort sessions with the districts to really bring them together. Um, early on, we also brought uh, experts in to talk to them. So we saw common needs that they had based on Bellwether's uh, assessment with them uh, and said, let's bring in an expert to talk to the whole group, uh, have them share together and learn together. And even now we continue to have that. Um, we've got, uh, for example, one district is uh, working with another district about their virtual academy because there's some interest in creating schools that are, mm. quote unquote, all virtual in the future. And uh, they can compare notes uh, because they've built that relationship and they've been able to work together through a lot of this uh, this challenge in the past year. Gwen, I, I remember, um, like you, I, I think we were uh, on, the, on the phone, actually on the Zoom with uh, school district superintendents uh, most days of the week uh, during this period. And I, I think one of the overwhelming features was just the cognitive exhaustion that they were going through, the, the cycling through checklists. Um, sort of going from macro strategic issues, zooming into detail, going back out to um, macro strategic issues. It, it was really immensely stressful. Is that fair to say, Gwen? Definitely fair to say. And I think um, when Nate was talking about the, was there a network? I think the most powerful piece of the work was the opportunity for people to get together and share and learn and commiserate. Yeah. Because I think that there was the, the every couple of weeks getting together and just checking notes. Is this, yeah. is this as crazy? Like, is it just me? Is this as crazy as it's happening for you? And while there were like different levels of chaos, there was a common thread about understanding the chaos that was happening and yeah. being able to learn from them. So yeah, we did see that stress. It still exists today. I think it's a, I, I think it feels like it's a little bit calmer now, but it's just, it's just so much. I, I really am so humbled by the work that these districts have been able to engage in. I, I, I totally appreciate that. And as important as the technical assistance was that, you were providing and that you were facilitating district to district, just the, the, the personal resilience that you're helping uh, to uh, develop the agility that you were supporting uh, between those leaders was just psychologically super important. So I, I appreciate how uh, quickly you organized this and how um, responsive your two organizations were. Uh, Nate, what, what's the toolkit? Sure. So uh, through our work with the Strategy Lab districts, um, we we sort of built the plane as we were flying it. We realized early on um, a really rigid strategic planning process was not going to work with the, the needs of our districts. And so we decided to orient towards a more flexible design thinking process. And in doing so, uh, we built this toolkit that now is available for, for other districts to use as well. That's um, really meant to be a realistic, inclusive uh, rapid process for district and school leaders to be able to make targeted improvements towards more equitable and resilient schools um, in any context. Uh, and, and the keys for us were to make sure that it had really clear, easy to follow activities that were laid out uh, and lots of examples. Um, and so we've been able to highlight examples from districts. We have case studies on uh, three of the seven strategy lab districts right now that are up uh, to be able to show uh, when we ask someone to brainstorm ideas for a solution, well, here are the example brainstorms from other districts. Um, here's what they were thinking about uh, to provide for districts that are interested in engaging in this process moving forward. Gwen, is the, the, the toolkit um, 
can I assume that it's still highly useful for not only the participating districts, but other districts right now? We hope so. And I think the, one of the things that we really believe about it is that there is that I can pick up something, I can, um, I can think about redesign as part of the work that I am doing. And I think that we have seen that that will be really important for people to be able to do that a few times before they think about what is going to be the big next big strategic move that I make for three years. So we are trying to build capacity and um, internal capability to really interrogate or think about what's not working and then have the tools to be able to, um, to really maybe not fix it right away, but have the skills to pilot and test something uh, and do it over and over and over again. This is really about that capacity building in a different way of thinking about like, how can I create better designs and systems that work more effectively for the students I'm trying to serve? So it was, uh, this experience has been painful for teachers, for school and system leaders, but it, it certainly has developed a new set of capabilities. I think people are feeling, um, we suddenly uh, quickly developed a, uh, a set of capabilities, some of which are gonna be really important going forward. Uh, I'd love to have both of you reflect on uh, a few things that might be different and better in the fall, perhaps as part uh, or as, as a result of working uh, with your organizations or, or using the toolkit. Nate, what are a couple of headlines that, that you think you'll see in, these, in the partner districts that are different and better this fall? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I think to your point, there's certainly a great deal of resiliency they've learned about themselves and that they've seen in their districts and their, and their communities. Um, you know, I think one of the big takeaways for our districts was, to, was being able to take from the process itself um, a new way of going about problem solving that was far more inclusive um, than what they're traditionally doing. Um, we're, we're, we're oriented as educators to quickly solve problems based on the information right. we have. Um, and this was an opportunity for districts to see when you, when you go a little bit uh, slower or, or a little bit less straight on a line that you're able to include more voices and learn way more through that. Um, one of our district leaders had shared with us recently said, uh, I open it. It was an eye opening experience for me, the most powerful experience in the whole process was being able to interview students. Um, and in that example, Monterey Peninsula, they actually had their, their school board uh, do empathy interviews as a board meeting uh, based on their experience through this. And I think it's something that's really stuck with them. Um, and then also from the, from the what side, so not just the how, but the what, they've learned a lot about what's possible uh, in their districts, that they can move towards change uh, wall chaos is around them and that they can implement practices that they didn't think possible before. So standards-based grading maybe was really hard to get people on board with. It was a huge uh, undertaking. Right. And then suddenly you're saying, wait a minute, we need to find a way to quickly give kids appropriate grades after uh, in a situation where they're not getting judged effectively, wait a minute, we have the solution. We have standards-based grading. We could do that now. Um, and I think they're realizing that a lot of those practices now, unfortunately, hopefully stick um, in the future. Gwen, what, what do you hope to see that's different or better in the fall, maybe as a result of the work you've done with these districts? Yeah, I 
so I've spent most of my career working in K in, in K-12 education, and I have always been a sort of a pro-technology person, not because I think technology for technology's sake, but because I think technology is really well positioned to do something. And I think there's been a lot of skepticism, resistance um, to what, you know, I'll use that word personalized learning. And I actually think that there has been an opportunity as part of this work to see what good personalization looks like and how to test that out so that we are serving the needs of those learners who are farthest from opportunity um, in ways that they need to be served. So I think that is incredible. I think another piece that has been really meaningful um, for people has been Right. In this work, we have had a lot of discussion about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think folks have had a hard time understanding what does it really mean to actually do that in my work? I'm committed to it, but I'm not sure I really have the tools to, to like feel like I'm authentically doing this. And I think that the the real design, like the, the real-time redesign tool, toolkit has given people the tools to do it in an authentic way that will make some real meaningful changes for um, the adults, the communities, and the most importantly, the learners in the system. Gwen, a quick, a quick follow-up. You mentioned um, ed tech. It, to be slightly melodramatic for a minute, I, I think we might view this pandemic as as the end uh, in many systems of the individual practitioner where close your door and teach whatever you want, how you want, and the beginning of um, teaching teams um, and really embracing uh, new strategies and new tools around personalized and competency-based learning. Is that one of the permanent shifts that we'll see that, that this really is a team sport from, from now forward? I think so. I one of the um, one of the networks in the in this cohort was Phoenix, um, which is based in Massachusetts. And one of the things that Phoenix Academy has been thinking about is redesigning the use of time in their schools. And so um, the they have really changed their schedules so that um, students who have work responsibilities during the day can come in in the afternoon and have a technology, like do some of their work, which used to be something like a uh, credit recovery, which is no longer credit recovery. They are using educators differently. They're using technology differently to really personalize the learning needs, um, learning needs for students in, in their community. So I think that like ed tech and ed tech and the uses of technology are for good and better and for better design. We're talking to Gwen Baker from Bellwether and Nate Kellogg from the Learning Accelerator about a, a great toolkit that they've developed for districts. Uh, Nate, uh, a few minutes ago, you, you mentioned a virtual offering. Do you think many of the districts that you've worked with will continue to have a, an online or, or virtual learning program uh, post-pandemic? You know, it's hard until now, but it certainly seems like it. Yes. Um, I think what districts are finding is that um, there are, uh, you know, education isn't one size fits all. And there are certain solutions for certain kids that really are great. And that some kids have really benefited from their time uh, being at home, being in a, an environment that worked for them with uh, online learning. And I think districts are really interested in being able to provide more options um, and just right. to get more creative in terms of even if, uh, you know, we were just talking to Cedar Rapids before this call, they're thinking about a virtual academy that also actually maybe you go into school one day a week, 
Um, and maybe we right. think differently about what's asynchronous and synchronous. And so they're able to, to not only just continue it, to, but to build on it, to deepen the work and to think more creatively and expansively in a way that's uh, more about what's best for all of our individual kids rather than what are we necessarily forced to offer, which is exciting. Yeah, I love that idea. Nate, I, I, we could very well see enriched online programs that incorporate mm -hmm. more, uh, more video, obviously, um, uh, but also more project-based learning, more community connections. And then, as, as you said, we may see more of these hybrid programs stick around uh, long-term where you're in school a day or two a week um, and online, uh, the, the other portions. Um, we may see... Uh, in some states, uh, cooperative versions of that, where families are working together um, in, and some we may see pods uh, and co-ops um, sustained post-pandemic, uh, at least around the edges. Does that seem right? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think there's an opportunity for, for policymakers to make this possible too, right? I know uh, some of our districts are waiting on uh, their state to determine whether or not that is okay and that funding can be used for those things. But I think in general, yes, more uh, a, a sort of a dispersion of, of possibility for districts um, and being able to be more, the district being able to be more creative to meet the needs of their population. I definitely think that's, that's on the horizon. Gwen, any other uh, new models that you think we'll see uh, in the fall or beyond? No, I think that those models sound right that Nate, we, that you just described. I think we need to make sure that, that, that these are um, models that are high quality and accessible to the students that we really seek to serve. So I would hate to see us coming out of this and seeing flexibility for, for of these models used by, by systems and, and for students who probably would do okay as they were we're doing like how how is it that we ensure either through policy and or th through sort of engagement of the community that we are designing systems making them accessible for for learners who we don't want to go back to those students who are far from opportunity not getting the the systems that they need we uh we appreciate the the assistance that you've been providing to districts and the toolkit is really a terrific resource. Uh, Nate, where can people find more information about the, uh, the strategy lab and the toolkit? Yeah, well, they can check out the Learning Accelerator. If you Google us, you'll be able to find us pretty quickly um, and directly to the toolkit, bit.ly uh, slash real-time redesign, uh, capital R, capital T, capital R. Um, and uh, yeah, again, just search for us on the internet, the Learning Accelerator. There's lots there. We've got lots of practices, uh, examples from educators on the ground, including for things like synchronous learning that are happening right now across uh, across the country and uh, as the toolkit as well. Gwen Baker, thanks for joining us. Any other resources you wanna point us to? No, I think the real-time real design, please definitely poke around. I think a real differentiator there is that we have examples of this being used. And so um, I really encourage districts and networks to go in and, and, and make it work for themselves. Hey, we appreciate that you've been learners through this whole process, <laughs> that you've been responsive and resilient. I think that's, uh, that's been a great model for the education leaders that you've been supporting. Thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast today. Thanks for having us, Tom. Thanks so much. We asked a few of the districts who participated in the Strategy Lab to share some of their thoughts on the process. We asked them the following questions. 
We asked them, what was the most powerful part of the Strategy Lab cohort, and what are they piloting as a result of the Strategy Lab and the real-time redesign process? My name is Dr. Warren Morgan, and I'm the Chief Academic Officer with Indianapolis Public Schools. Uh, this year, our academic team had the wonderful privilege of being a part of the Strategy Lab cohort, um, and it was an amazing experience. Um, the thing that was most powerful about being a part of this cohort was the fact that we were able to collaborate with other districts that all had their own problems of practice. We had our own problem of practice. And when we would come together on our strategy lab calls, we would share our problems of practice, um, but then receive advice from other people that uh, are able to just listen in objectively and um uh, provide strategic insight. In between our coaching calls, we were also, or uh, between our cohort calls, we were we would receive direct coaching from the Strategy Lab, uh, specifically helping us fine tune our strategy, helping us uh, think differently about possibilities that we hadn't thought about, um, and then also receiving technical assistance along the way. Each time we had a a coaching call or a cohort call, there were always uh, outside visitors and perspectives that we were able to learn from. Uh, and it just really helped us, especially this is my first year in this role, first year in the system. It really helped me as a leader um, to lead my team and to be on this journey with the, my team was just uh, was powerful to do this together. Uh, the final thing I will mention is the uh, project that our team has been piloting uh, this year through the Strategy Lab. So a uh, big that that we're making in our strategic plan is on literacy uh, and to improve the literacy rates of our students. And so through the work we've been doing with the Strategy Lab, we were able to look at Dibble's data, uh, which is an early childhood literacy screener uh, for our students kindergarten through second grade, um, and really look at the areas where our students were showing promise, but then also the areas where our students were struggling. Um, and by disaggregating the Dibble's data, our uh, a literacy team, um, specifically led by our MTSS coordinator, uh, was really able to fine tune and pinpoint a couple of areas that we wanted to focus on in pilot. And so uh, we, we picked a school uh, that uh, we tested the strategy out. Uh, Cassie and her team uh, went in with a strategy. They tried it out. Uh, and uh, per, we're able to provide a set of recommendations, not only to me, but to our team to think about how we might replicate this. Uh, and she's actually doing that. Um, they're testing this iteration on other, other schools. Uh, they're beginning to expand this to think about what it means for special education. What does it mean for, um, uh, upper grade levels? And so it has been a practice and a, uh, a model that our team will take with us, uh, as we move forward. So it's been a blessing and, um, just a great experience to be a part of this network this year. Uh, and uh, we look forward uh, to closing out the year and how this will help us be set up for success for next year. Hi there, my name is Suzanne Newell and I am the Director of Academics in the Austin Independent School District in Austin, Texas. Uh, the most powerful part of the Strategy Lab cohort from my perspective is the fact that um, it brought together a group of four of us from our school district who all work in different departments and, and roles, but we share a common curiosity and, and interest in standards-based learning or mastery learning. 
And it afforded us the opportunity to pause our crazy schedules during this most unique school year and come together to collaborate on something that felt really proactive and meaningful um, that uh, often we, we, we frankly don't have the time to do this, this year in particular. And um, in addition to the fact that it kind of caused us to get together and, and collaborate on something important, um, we were doing so with the support of our strategy lab friends who brought supplementary research, um, a helpful perspective with experience in what we were trying to do, um, connections to others across the United States who were doing similar work that we could brainstorm with and learn from. Um, that probably was was critical because without both that research support and the um, kind of the schedule interruption that allowed us and encouraged us to do this work, I know we would not have um, taken the time or made the time to um, to put this pilot together. Um, what we're piloting is something we're calling grade interviews. We're borrowing that term from Dr. Catlin Tucker. Um, who wrote the book Balanced with Blended Learning. And um, essentially, chapter 11 in that book, the book is amazing all the way around, but uh, there's a there's kind of a thread of standards-based mindsets that, that weaves throughout uh, a lot of the book. Um, and in this particular case, we were striving to find a strategy that was powerful yet manageable um, during a year that we often felt conspicuous asking teachers to do anything above just like the baseline measures of everything they were already having to juggle this year in a remote slash face-to-face environment and, and all of the, the unique demands on their time. And so we've pulled together a group of math teachers at um, one of our middle schools who already had some pretty solid um philosophical things in place with regard to standards-based learning. Um, But what this pilot encouraged them to do was literally partner with students um, and have students um, participate in interviews to um, speak to the grade that they felt that they had earned and argue for the the mastery of the content that was a part of their unit um, or a particular aspect of their test assessment. And what we've begun to hear from the teachers already is just how meaningful that was and in how, how it gave them a unique glimpse into students' mindsets, especially in a remote learning setting where they don't get to uh, see kids' faces all the time and or even hear their voices in a one-on-one setting. Um, they use the breakout feature within Zoom to conduct these and the things that they are learning from this pretty simple structure um, have have really resonated with them and made them realize that this is going to have impacts across a lot of the teaching and learning that they do. My name is Bob Ettinger, and I am Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment in the Renton School District, located just south of Seattle, Washington. The Strategy Lab cohort has been powerful for us in several ways. First, the framing of the entire partnership of leveraging the challenges of the pandemic in service of a longer-term vision of resilience and equity, has been helpful in thinking both short-term and long-term. Educators, students, and families are facing unprecedented challenges right now, and it's helpful to remember that we are also seeing improvements in how we give students choice over their learning 
prioritize the most important learning goals, and support students social-emotionally. Second, we have learned powerful lessons from other districts facing similar challenges. Our focus and strategy lab is high school grading because we were experiencing a large number of F and incomplete grades. We realized the challenges we were facing provided a great opportunity to identify grading practices that are more focused on mastery and meaningful engagement and two-way communication with students and families. During a recent Strategy Lab cohort meeting, we were paired with the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District, whose leaders had already taken on high school grading as a goal this year. They provided fantastic practical ideas, such as focusing on recommendations rather than policies, setting aside time to reflect on strategies and progress, and involving multiple stakeholders. We shared Monterey's learnings with our high school principals and used them to develop our overarching strategy in Renton. Finally, Strategy Lab has been helpful by modeling the use of the design thinking process. We have created a team called the Reimagining High School Grading Team that is engaging in an iterative design process to develop, test, and refine components of an improved high school grading system. Educators will involve students as co-designers and consultants throughout the process. Design thinking is new for many of the participants and represents a different process than we typically use in cross-school committees and teams. We are excited about the prototypes our educators and students are piloting this spring. Thanks so much to Nate and Gwen for joining us today. We really appreciate the thought leadership and support that their organizations provide the field. For more information on the Always Ready for Learning initiative, check out episode 293 with Asaf Bitten and Beth Rabbit on the state of health and the Parabola Project. We'll be sure to link it in the show notes and on the blog. That's it for today, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Jessica signing off.